The brief four points for today, as is mentioned from the Salaf, إِذَا كُنْتَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَاحْفَظْ قَلْبَكَ وَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِي مَجْلِسِ النَّاسِ فَاحْفَظْ لِسَانَكَ وَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِي بُيُوتِ النَّاسِ فَاحْفَظْ بَصَرَكَ وَإِذَا كُنْتَ عَلَى الطَّعَامِ فَاحْفَظْ مَعْدَتَكَ Number one, إِذَا كُنْتَ فِي صَلَاةِ When you are in any salah, فَاحْفَظْ قَلْبَكَ Then guard your heart. وَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِي مَجْلِسِ النَّاسِ And when you are in a gathering of people, فَاحْفَظْ لِسَانَكَ Then guard your tongue. وَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِي بُيُوتِ النَّاسِ And when you are in the homes of people, then فَاحْفَظْ بَصَرَكَ Then guard your gaze. And when you are on, وَإِذَا كُنْتَ عَلَى الطَّعَامِ When you are on the table or the دَسْتَخَانِ When you are on the, on the time for eating, at the buffet, فَاحْفَظْ مَعْدَتَكَ Then guard your stomach. So these are beautiful four advices given. Um, they are self-explanatory, but it is just to go over it. Four occasions are mentioned. Number one, when you are in ibadah, when you're in salah, فَحْفَظْ قَلْبَكَ Guard your heart. Guard your heart from what? From turning away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from forgetting where you are standing. One is the khushu' and one is the khudu' Khudu' is the body, uh, not to be moving excessively, to be in submission physically, the outward dimension, uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لِلَّهِ قَانِتِينَ Not to be speaking, not to be moving outside of the movements of the prayer, as proven from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The outer dimension, that is the khudu' And the inner focus of the heart is the khushu' the khushu' al-qalb. So that the heart is remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we are performing salah, it is not only that the outward performance has to be as Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performed the salah. Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. Perform the salah the way you see me performing salah. But also the kafiyat qalbiyyah, the conditions and stations of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's heart in his qiyam, his ruku' in his sujood. We have to work on developing that. And this is how the sahaba radiallahu anhu ajma'in in our salaf, they performed the salah externally and internally following the sunnah of example of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Standing so straight, Without moving, that the birds would come perch on them, uh, on their on their on their shoulders, on their head, thinking they are pieces of wood stuck in the ground. That is the khudur element, and the khushur of the heart was such that uh, they would be completely divorced from their surroundings and have no idea what is going on. To the extent that Sayyidina Ali radiAllahu anhu, when he was inflicted with an arrow, and in the battle, and they have to pull it out, you can't just leave the arrow hang, stuck in the body. But, of course, they did not have any general anesthesia, local anesthesia, nothing. They had to just pull it out while he's awake. And it was causing so much pain, so much pain, as it's tearing through the flesh. Because the arrow not only has the pointed front end, but it has on both sides curved hooks. So when you take it out, it, again, it is cutting through the flesh. Not one uh, point which was going forward, but two on the way out. So uh, he, he could not tolerate it. He could not tolerate it. He was screaming in pain. He said, no, no, leave it, leave it. But then they try again, leave it, leave it. I can't handle it. Uh, uh, and uh, then, then he said, you know, obviously it has to be taken out. Okay, let me just pray two rakat salah. I'll make final dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After that, you just hold me down. No matter how much I scream, no matter how much I move, just hold me down and just pull it out and get done with it. They said, okay. So he performed his salah after his salah. He said, okay, that's it, I'm ready now. Close my eyes, hold me down, let's go. They said, it's out. He said, when? He said, no, when you're performing salah, 
Someone said, hey, now he's so focused in his salah, this is the right time to get it done. So he didn't need any anesthesia. Subhanallah. Fa'hfad qalbuk. Allahu Akbar. And then look at our condition. When they stand to pray, they pray in a lazy manner. To show others and they don't remember Allah, but very little. This is the salah of the munafiqun. Allah describes their prayer in the Quran. Destruction for them who are performing salah. Destruction for those who are praying. But which type of prayer? They are praying salah in the state of afla. Number two. When you are in the Majlis Nas, gatherings of people, parties, iftar, dinners, whatever, any occasion, whether it's social or work, guard your tongue. This is the opportunity for riba, backbiting, lying, slandering, all the sins of the tongue. Everything will go. All the good deeds we earn, all are lost. This is the jirmu saghir or jirmu kabir. The physical shape, uh, part, uh, size of the tongue is so little, but... It's uh, the sin that we can earn with this tongue uh, is great indeed. Rasulullah said, Do you not know that what else is there that will cause the people to be thrown headlong into the fire of Jahannam, but what they're earning from their tongue? And number three, when you're in the homes of people, guard your gaze. Guarding the gaze is so important. All in any place, but particularly when you're at someone's home. Because right from the outside, when you knock on someone's door, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions about knocking. That, Ya amanu, or those who believe, la buyutan buyutikum. Don't enter anyone, anyone's home. Ahliya, until you take permission and you say, Assalamu alaikum. Because you do not want your glance to fall on something impermissible. And the scholars mentioned that at the end of the day, if you're even if you're standing outside, it is haram to look inside the house. Because if you are inside the... He hasn't given you permission to enter his family room, in his living room. And if you were inside his family room, living room, after he gave you permission, would you be eating up everything there? Consuming it? No. When you're granted permission, basically you have, you have permission to look around. Because when he's ready to grant you admission, then when you come into his living room, when you sit there, you'll see everything. So if you're standing outside and you're looking inside without permission, then basically you have planted yourself inside his home. You have literally gone. It's like you broke down the gates and went inside, or you went through the window. Would you think you would, uh, it would be socially acceptable? Obviously not, not even Islamically, forget about Islamically, even socially, to jump through someone's window, jump, go open someone's door without permission, break it down, go inside. Literally you did the same thing. Even though you're physically standing outside, your glance is inside. And there's so many etiquettes of this. Wherever the host tells you to sit, you shouldn't try to be humble and say, no, no, I'll sit on this side. If he asks you to sit on this chair, then there may be a reason. Now, this was when the host also had that ghayra. They didn't want the guests to glance at the maharim and the woman inside. They would tell a person, you can sit here, and then the, host would understand, uh, the guest would understand, I need to sit where the host is placing me. But sometimes, subhanAllah, you don't have that understanding. So, um, we were visiting uh, one, one place where, now alhamdulillah, this the woman, the host, uh, hostess, she, she, out of respect for us as guests, she, she went into extreme niqab and hijab. And I just remember the story now. And the husband, he never understood the clue what's going on. So, she wanted to uh, call him to take the tea and things to serve. So, she's knocking, like, come take it. So, my father, Hafizullah, was telling that, I think... Uh, She's calling you. He said, no, no, no. 
If she had any issue, she'd come here. He said, then she's not knocking from inside. I said, come take it. He did not get the cue, like what's going on. Until father had to tell him, I believe she really is <laughs> calling you. That's why she's knocking. He's like, no, she never does that, right? Okay, anyway, so alhamdulillah. So this is, this was the, anyway, derai, uh, durustai, whatever, it kicked in. The original tarbiyah that the wife had from maybe prior to marriage to this guy. <laughs> It kicked in in her mind and she remembered and she was respecting the guest. So wherever the host tells you to sit, we sit and we guard our gaze from looking inside. Uh, and lastly, when it is time to eat, is the dinner time, breakfast, lunch, whatever, then be careful and guard your stomach. From the perspective of what's halal and haram, if you're at a work buffet, then you have to think halal and haram. If you're here at Dar Salaam in your itikaf, then it's not a matter of halal and haram, it's a matter of how much you're eating uh, and uh, so it's the quantity-wise, the quality-wise, both things to watch out. You are what you eat. If you're eating halal, inshaAllah, Allah will give you tawfiq to do good deeds. This is what the scholars say in the tafsir of this ayah from Surah Al-Mu'minun, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he brackets two things. He says, Ya rasul, Eat halal food and do good deeds. So the scholars say it could be like, Eat and drink. Or it could be do wudu and pray. But what's up with this? Eat halal and pray. So what's the link? Or it could be eat and rest. Rest and digest. Right. So why are, why are you bracketing eating halal with ibadah? Two reasons. Number one, if you eat halal food, it will motivate you to more ibadah. There's a nur in the halal food. And if you're eating haram food, it will darken your heart. And number two is, it is a condition for the acceptance of the ibadah. And the conditions always precede the ibadah. Just like you say to make wudu and pray, because wudu is what? A condition for the acceptance of prayer. You're not going to say pray and then do wudu later on. Or prayer and wudu are two uh, different uh, commandments. No, wudu comes before prayer. The wudu is miftahul salah and the salah is a miftahul jannah. Wudu is the key to prayer, prayer is the key to jannah. So you'll say make wudu and then pray. Isn't that logical sequence? Yes, absolutely. Just like that is eat halal food and then pray. Because eating halal food is a condition for the acceptance of the prayer. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq to make amal on these four things. جزاكم الله خير والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله